Welcome to the latest episode of The Work Podcast. My co-host, John Sumser, and I are delighted to welcome you. We have a very special guest today, someone we've known for a long time and someone who's been in our industry for a long time, and that's Jess Von Bank. Jess is with LeapGen, but she's got quite the career uh, that we're going to talk to her about today. And Jess, I'd like to welcome you to this episode. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. This is the highlight of my week. When I remembered (laughs) this was on my calendar for this week, nothing else mattered. It was sort of a rush to this episode. I'm so honored to be on your podcast and a guest. Uh, I, I get to interview lots of interesting people in our space, too, but I'm always happy when I can sit and have a conversation. Well, uh, we're, with- we're turning the tables on you here, Jess, I right? It. <laughs> I love it. Tell our audience about yourself. Give us, give us kind of your elevator pitch. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again for having me. I'm Jess Von Bank. I'm based in Minneapolis, and I do run marketing and brand for LeapGen. We're HR consultants. We help big enterprises with their HR operations and experience delivery services. We also help them with their technology support and selection. Uh, We support the vendors in the space as well. So I get to span both parts of our business and the work that I do. But I've been, you're right, I've been in the people and talent space for almost my entire career. I started as a recruiter. I say once a recruiter, always a recruiter. Uh, uh, Same, same. I started as a recruiter too. That's great. Yeah, and it didn't take, I I fell in love with the job of a recruiter, which I didn't even know existed, by the way, when I went to college. I had no idea matchmaking for career (laughs) existed. (laughs) And as soon as I understood that was something I could do, uh, I was all about it. It, uh, Because I'm passionate about connecting great people to incredible opportunity. I actually believe that work can be amazing. I truly believe that. Not people think that it's a box to check and something, you know, necessary evil to pay the bills. I think it can be incredibly fulfilling. I I can't imagine not working. If I won the lottery, I would probably still want to do something <laughs> that I'm passionate about uh, and that and that tickles my intellectual senses and my passions and all of those things. I think that's the opportunity for employers to scratch that itch with and for people. I think we want to do incredible work and innovation and creativity and bring things to life. Uh, And so I loved doing that from the desk of a recruiter, but it didn't take long before I fell in love with process design and technology. Mm -hmm. The experience absolutely stinks for almost everybody involved. Hiring managers struggle, recruiters struggle. Being a candidate is completely ridiculous and it hasn't changed much in several decades. Um, So of course I spent the majority of my career in talent technology, employer branding and recruitment marketing when those became a thing. uh, And I continue to work in the people in tech space trying to better connect the dots and and create a better experience for everybody. You know, you've used those skills, though, to build an amazing community for LeapGen. I know you have these these Friday community meetups. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, how that started? And it has – not only does it have momentum, it has sticking power, which, you know, it's it's one thing to build up a roster of members – but it's another thing to actually have them show up every week. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we started this community we call the Now of Work, and that's another story. We stopped saying Future of Work 
when it literally landed on our doorsteps in the form of a pandemic. And we said, oh, okay, it's here, it's now, we better make some things happen a little bit faster. So we called it the now of work, but the idea of the community really came about when we pulled our consultants off planes, we canceled workshops, our pipelines froze, our clients panicked, and we couldn't help people anymore, not in the usual ways. When the pandemic hit, it became incredibly clear to us that HR would have to step up in crazy and bigger ways than ever before. Those are the people we help and support, and we couldn't get in front of them at the most critical time of their careers and in these companies' lives. Their workforces were, you know, struggling. They were, everybody was in, you know, sort of this rapid response mode. And Jason Averbook, our CEO and co-founder, looked at me and said, I don't care what it is, find a way to talk to people. So we launched a community and we launched a broadcast so we could literally get on screens. The only thing we had access to, <laughs> get on screens and just talk to people. We had no agenda. This is not a sales opportunity for LeapGen. It will never be sponsored. That was not even in the forefront of our that. minds. It was yeah. literally, how can we help? And I think it took off. You talk about the stickiness and the momentum. It also felt very raw and human in the beginning. Imagine like we started this on March 13th of 2020 and we went through all of it together with this community. We had real conversations about people dying of COVID in your workforces or all of the disaster recovery stuff organizations were navigating. And then George Floyd happened and I mm. sat in my loft in downtown Minneapolis with my suitcase packed and sitting by the door waiting for the moment the broadcast ended so that I could flee my own city because there were choppers overhead and, <laughs> and riots outside of my door. And the community saw all of that. And they also saw how willing we were to have real conversations about humans struggling, about mental health suffering, not just at work. Of course, we talk about work and people and culture and tech, but we're just, we're one human. We don't take masks off to go back to our real lives and then put them back on to come to work. But unfortunately, we kind of have been doing that over the years. And so we finally said, no more masks. Like we're, we're one person. And now we don't go anywhere to show up to work. We sit in the same stool <laughs> in the same kitchen. Yeah. And now you get to see my kids and my messy kitchen and all of those things. And so I think the, the stickiness was that, holy cow, we really got real and raw and we talked about everything and we brought interesting guests to help us because we don't profess to know it all and and I think that's why people keep coming back it feels like a really a safe space but a brave space to have conversations that people honestly have been wanting to have for a long long time I, I love that. I love the human connection. I see John is he's he's nodding his head as we're talking. John, please jump in. Your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. So 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 I I I was there at the beginning, but I haven't followed it at all. How big is the community now? We have about two thousand people who show up to our live broadcast every single Friday. The community itself, between our LinkedIn group and our online Slack group specifically for this community. It's about 20,000 members uh, that we've sort of collected and gathered and whatever. So that's a pretty good show rate for people who just want to kind of hang out with us on a crowdcast every Friday and hear 
not what we have to say. This isn't the Jason and Jess show, but what we, the people, have to say and talk about. That's part of that. I don't have too many rules around this community, but one is that um, <clears throat> that it's community driven. It's very organic. I do invite guests. Um, and I do prep them out of respect and, and uh, you know, as a professional courtesy, but I, my prep for them is you've got to follow the nose of the community. The chat is very interactive. Mm -hmm. We introduce the topic, like we all know what we're here to talk about. Last week, it was autism acceptance and inclusive workspaces. So let's talk about it. But I, I don't want to plant too many conversational seeds or too many questions because I the community truly feeds the conversation and drives the questions and I encourage people this is you and your topic that's like if you asked me about being a mom or about raising girls just give me the mic and I'll talk about it and that's what I tell my guests like this is your topic this is your your mission your personal why Tell us what you know. Tell us why you care about this. I promise there will be community members who care just as much or more. And I'm telling you, we strike a nerve every single week when we talk about um, any, any gamut of things. And I think that's really important to, to make sure that there's permission to cover whatever feels like it needs to be covered. And every once in a while, I'm like, Ooh, I did not know that this was such a hot, a hot thread. And I'm so glad we're pulling it. So, so do you think this is an accident of a particular moment in time, or do you think this is a model for doing things going forward? Um, I think this is a model for organizations, honestly. If you're mm -hmm. not thinking about your own workforce in terms of an organic, living, breathing, dynamic community, we talk all the time. We pay a lot of lip service to employee experience and employee sentiment and inclusion and belonging and we do listening tools and survey activities to try to tap into you know the needs and emotions and and wants of of our workforce it's a whole lot of lip service to be honest and when i think about the way this community started and evolved and how truly community driven this movement is it's really turned into a movement of humanizing work workforce experience culture topics, DEI, we're normalizing things, we're giving permission and space to talk about things. And the fact that it's community driven, call it what you will, this is what we're trying to achieve for our workforces. Yeah. This is how you're going to attract and retain real human beings who wanna be human at work too. So if I were gonna do this in my company, what would be the first thing that I'd do? I think first of all, you would ask, Go to the people, go to people and say, we think we're on to something or we have an idea for something. What do you think? What do you think? Number one, somebody asking for your opinion is an incredible honor. It's a respect that we don't show often enough. Um, and would you like to be a part of it? <clears throat> Even in our own small company, we're a small business, uh, but we've got plenty of people. If I were to open my mouth about any one particular topic, I'd have two or three hand raisers who have a particular interest or a, or a particular, they have subject matter expertise. They know about that thing. And if I had never asked, I would never know that I have half a dozen learning experts, digital learning design experts in my company, or I would never know that I have a foster mom in my company who can speak intimately about 
the policy barriers that prevent someone like her from accessing programs and services that other parents would typically have access to. Hmm, that's interesting. But we don't we don't ask. I think we make too many assumptions and we don't really I think that's the the problem with um now I'm going to get into sort of the geekiness of, of talent, understanding talent, Amazon, Instagram, every other platform in the world knows more about your people than you do, because we haven't sort of consumerized the process of getting to know people. There's, there's data and information everywhere about people without even asking for it. Imagine if you had a conversation with what people are interested in, can talk about would love to do their development aspirations. And so I think that that's one of the notes I've taken from sort of this community-driven approach is the aspect of don't make any assumptions, actually. Find out, seek, you know, sort of solicit information and let the community drive itself. What if we let the workforce drive itself? What an interesting model that would be. I don't think we've, we've seen much of that. I mean, we've seen command and control historically over the years. There's been a strong hierarchy in place. John, I apologize. I cut you off there. What no, 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 that's great. That's great. So, so, so I've seen this. This is what, co- this is how co-ops are supposed to work. They don't, but they're supposed to work like this. Um, but I have, I have a question for you. It's, it's, there's two pieces to it. One is this thing is growing. Are you going to try to channel its growth in some ways? Are there directions you want to take it? Or are you just going to let it be like the mold in the back of the refrigerator and it's just going to <laughs> take over the back corner of the refrigerator? Thank goodness we have no pictures of that. <laughs> exactly. Um, it will never be sponsored. I can tell you that. It will never be a pay to play. Um, that's the only rule I really have and I can really say for sure. I, I would never... Uh, that would feel like a sellout. I, I would feel too much pressure to have certain people or the right conversations or to fill slots a certain way. Um, so the, Jason and I decide sometimes not to have any guest at all because there's too much to talk about um, with the community. And we invite people to come on screen with us to bring their own topics to us. We need to leave space that is unscheduled, that's totally unprotected. Uh, to let the community participate as they will. This is theirs. This is not so, ours. So, so at this scale, it's kind of inevitable that you'll start thinking about making it physical. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that raises the question of different kinds of events and, um, you know, all of the things that you could do when people physically get together. Yeah. We're, we're almost there. Maybe, yeah. maybe in another year or two, we'll be actually there. And then, this community is going to want to manifest. Oh, totally. I'm already seeing it's so interesting. I, I see little contingents, little pockets of people. They're having coffee together. People who mm-hmm. met through the community who would otherwise not know each other are having coffee together, meetups. They're connecting for job opportunities. Just last week, one of our guests is the CEO of a company called Optimize. They have a tool that actually does help support and train and empower people who require inclusive workplace design. Um, He found a member, an autistic member of the community to interview for his upcoming book. I mean, I can't even tell, there's like myriads and myriads of connections that are made in the community and people are sort of self-organizing right now. Um, And I, again, I love the dynamic uh, sort of, you know, granola nature of this that's happening. But sure, I've had lots of ideas around 
even with the big, most of the big conferences are coming back in person, but with a virtual or live stream component. Wouldn't it be cool if we could organize watch parties in a few cities mm -hmm. and allow the community to come together and participate in some of That's these? That's awesome. That that, what a great that. idea. I love that yeah. idea. I love that idea. That has a Super Bowl Sunday feel to it. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> That's great. But, you know, work is not the only thing you're involved in, Jess. I mean, I heard you mention the girls earlier, and I know you're also involved in an organization called Diverse Daisies. Tell us about that. Absolutely. So I am the mom to three I say little girls. I don't think I can say it much longer. One just turned 13. I have an official teenager. Uh, the next one is 11, and my third will be double digits this summer. She'll be 10. So I'm sort of out of the, you know, the little girl uh, stage and so, cer certainly moving into the young lady stage. But three daughters. I'm incredibly passionate about raising girls, not just my own. I'm incredibly passionate about empowering girls, period, and women's empowerment, making sure that women feel permission to own their voice, to take up space, to self-advocate, to pave the way for those that come behind. I do that for my daughters, but I believe that it's one to many can be so, so powerful. And so when an opportunity came my way to take over the leadership position, the presidency of Diverse Daisies, it's a nonprofit organization based in Minneapolis. Uh, we've been around for about eight years. The original founder, Kim Perry, is a good friend of mine. She grew up in foster situations, quite a unique upbringing. And one thing that she benefited from was mentorship, access to opportunities, exposure to experiences in her community that she might not otherwise have had if she didn't have people looking out for her, people who had her back. And in her case, women role models. She saw women in business, women founders. Now she's an incredibly successful real estate developer. Um, and she felt passionate about making sure that she paid that forward. So she founded Diverse Daisies. I volunteered for her for a very long time. My own girls were too young to participate in the program, but I knew they were coming up uh, behind. And I wanted to make sure something like that existed, not just for my girls who have access and and exposure and mentorship and me as their mom and all, but all girls. I think it's so powerful when we can let young people um, envision the future that's possible for them. I happen to do it for girls, but all young people can benefit from that. So, so that's my nonprofit that I run today. We provide activities. We had to go on a little bit of a COVID pause because they are in-person activities. This is a local community organization and we do anything and everything. My next event is on girls understanding money, finance, budgeting. Um, what if you wanted to found something someday? Nobody has that conversation with a 12 year old girl unless you decide to have it. Um, and we do everything. Every girl is an athlete. Um, how to become, uh, how to learn about nutrition and self-care and, and that kind of thing. We bring them to tours of local businesses or broadcasting studios or the local library. We bring speakers in. We help them understand how to write um, a grant application or your first resume. Or what if you start working in high school? How do you become an employee? You know, what's the proper view of an employee and an employer? How do you advocate for yourself in the workplace? Nobody does this, not in college, nowhere. And I love that we can bring curriculum and programming uh, to them like that. I, I would say beyond that, it's really more about the friendships and the relationships. 
again, speaking of community, it's about giving these girls a space and permission to thrive and grow and kind of flex as they grow up. I, I love, I love, there are some common themes in what you're, what you're sharing with us today. And uh, maybe they're very obvious to you and, and, and they're becoming increasingly obvious to me as I'm sitting here and I'm sure our, our listeners are thinking the same. Um, you're very big on, on asking permission um, but also not making assumptions. And I love that. I love that second part because I think that, you know, in my own observations when I'm navigating maybe a challenging situation in the workplace or something like that, and I hear the way people talk about other people, and I think to myself, yeah, but, you know, they're young. They're just learning. Like, why would we assume that they know everything? Or, you know, someone else perhaps did not have privilege or opportunity or the, the chance to be exposed to things that others were not exposed to. And we make assumptions about each other and we make judgments. Um, you know, I look back, we're going through, of course, a, 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 just a horrific time right now with what's going on in Ukraine. And I look back to my own childhood and I remember as a child being taken on a field trip to the United Nations. And if I did not have that level of exposure as a child, I'm not sure that as an adult I would really grasp how diplomacy, how, how interwoven we all are and what these initial initiatives really mean. So, you know, when you're talking about teaching children how to budget, yeah, who does that? Like, like where would you ever get that experience? You wouldn't get it in school. In fact, in school, it seems like more and more curriculum is being taken out of, of you know, the, the uh, school experience for children. So I'm fascinated by that. I'm also fascinated, Jess, by the chat that I've seen in your community and on, on the Crowdcast, um, because I've seen people be very um, heartwarming and very, very transparent about some very tough topics. Um, mm-hmm. Do any of them take those conversations further with you? Do do you know? Are they are they looking to plug into your network, perhaps, for some sort of assistance? I think um, not necessarily. That's an interesting question. Uh, I think um, I'm. I say that I don't, um, I, I try not to over script or overthink, over engineer anything in the community, and that's true. I am conscious about one thing, and that is modeling behavior. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty transparent about myself, with myself. I'm transparent with the way I talk about topics that might otherwise seem, um, you know, we're never inappropriate, but, but taboo or like, I, you know, I'll be the first to talk about race at work. Mm-hmm. Does anybody have any questions about how to address? Uh, is it black people? Is it African American people? Is does anybody else have this question? Because mm-hmm. let's just get it answered right now. Right. Um, and so I say weird things sometimes because I know <laughs> that I I can say it out loud. I'll ask the question mm-hmm. on behalf of 200 people who have the question. And I think you have to model a little bit of that behavior to say, we're going to do this here. Yeah, this, yeah. Is a, this is a safe space where we can be respectful, kind, empathetic, never overstepping, but where you can kind of like toe the line a little bit. Um, we've had people, I say make confessions. We've had people make 
reveal things of themselves in the community that they did not feel or have not felt safe enough to reveal at work. Mm-hmm. It might be about uh, it might be about their experience of racism at work. It might be around gender orientation. We've had people explain um, that they have neurodiversity challenges mm-hmm. um, that they don't express at work because they're not sure what accommodation to ask for, if it will be provided, how they'll be perceived or even judged. Um, they don't want to be overlooked or dismissed for opportunity. <laughs> I'm telling you, I employers, think that's, yeah. these are conversations, like people want to have these conversations right. with their manager with their peers in their in their workplaces the fact that we haven't created psychological safety that there is fear of judgment or retribution um and not outright retribution but being overlooked for a a cool assignment or a promotional opportunity it can be subtle it can be subtle i i can remember when you know when my children were young and the plum assignments were being handed out. And I can remember my boss actually saying to me, oh, but you have young children. Well, you don't know what my support network is at home. And, and you know, right. like, why would you make a judgment about me that I wouldn't be able to take on this assignment? I remember, I, you know, I don't want to be as dramatic as saying heartbroken, but, you know, crestfallen, I guess. And, and, and you can feel yourself kind of recoil from those work situations because you're like, you know what? This employer doesn't really ex- – they don't really respect me. They don't really get me. They don't understand my potential. So I'm going to pick up my toys and go elsewhere. And that's what happens yeah. is you wind up losing good people. You expect them to bring their whole self to work in terms of their energy and their skills. But then you really don't give them a place, um, as you've called it, a safe space where – you can really be yourself and 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 share what you need to share without feeling like it's going to come back and bite you at some point in the future. Yeah, and and now what we've seen in a couple of ways, the pandemic humanized uh, workplaces and the employment relationship out of necessity. You know, we had to go a whole bunch of places with each other that we couldn't have imagined. And so out of necessity, we have humanized a whole lot of conversations that that maybe felt um, fluffy before, Mm -hmm. which is which is great. Um, But I also and and the other thing that has happened is the power shift. It's a candidate market. It's an employee driven market. So now we hold the power. We actually have the power to say, that's not okay with me. I expect more. I'd like accommodation. This pay thing doesn't feel right. Do you have a pay transparency policy? So I know. So you tell me if I'm being paid fairly. Why do I have to guess mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you know swing for the fences and wonder if I'm even in the ballpark? I mean that's a ridiculous conversation for another day. <laughs> um, and so so the power shift is working in our favor. We've humanized a whole bunch of workplace and workforce-related conversations. All of that is really great. But what I'm really concerned about is everybody speaking this really human, whole person, culture-driven. We've all polished up our employee value propositions Mm -hmm. and our employer brands to try to attract talent. Uh, But I don't think employers have done the necessary work. I think there's a lot of foundational stuff to, to be done 
um, for employers to deserve that. I don't think we deserve whole people showing yeah. up with their full selves at work. We don't know what to do with them when they exactly. ask us or uh, ask us for help, request assistance, mm-hmm. uh, request even very basic accommodation or flexibility. How do you bring working moms back to the workforce? Mm-hmm. You let them work on their terms. Right. That's a flexibility thing. And it's and by flexibility, I don't mean, oh, it's okay if you get this done at midnight tonight after the kids are asleep <laughs> and you've tidied up the house and right. you've prepped lunches for few. the next day. Right. The whole double shift thing is not flexibility. Right. That's flexibility not a is trust people to work like adults. Right. Give them outcomes driven work, not output driven performance mm-hmm. requirements. Mm-hmm. And we haven't had these conversations yet. We're not there yet. So stop asking whole people to show up with their full, authentic, <laughs> vulnerable selves right. and then go, but you're not meeting them. with you now. Right. You're not meeting them on on a level playing field. Absolutely. Yeah. Jess, you and I could talk for hours and I know we have in the past. Unfortunately, we are almost at time today. Um, I, I do want you to please tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you. I know, by the way, that you're moderating a panel at the HR Tech Conference in the fall. Um, I know that you, of course, have your Friday event. How else can they get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, LeapGen is is available for anybody who needs help with all of this from a, how does a people function better support people? Um, obviously, you can find us at LeapGen.com. I'm Jess Von Bank everywhere on social media, and I do talk a lot about this stuff. I like to normalize conversations. I like to open up and, and create space for conversations, again, back to modeling behavior. Um, and so you can find me talking about raising girls and humanizing workforce experience and in- inclusion and belonging related topics for the workplace just about everywhere. I'm very chatty on, on social when it comes to that. Um, and the Now of Work community itself. Yes, we have our live broadcast. It's a Crowdcast link. I'm happy to share it for your show, show notes. Um, but we're on Crowdcast, a very easy platform, no registration. You just pop in with your social credentials or your email um, every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and we'd love to have everybody. It's a, it's a really warm, welcoming space. Uh, it feels very human. It's, it's all things work, people, tech, culture, but it's also not just about that. So we'd love to have everybody pop in. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much, Jess. And thank you for joining us today for this episode of The Work. 